Hello and welcome to The Last Standing, a board game podcast coming to you from three exciting countries across Europe. So, I'm joined here today by Alessio. Hello! Audrey. Hello, hello! And I am your host, Alexis. Uh, we'll be talking about a range of different topics across the hobby, and today we'll start with seeing how everyone is doing with the Standy Roundup. So, uh, Alessio, how have you been doing it since last time? I have been playing a lot of Eon Trespass Odyssey. Now, uh, it's completely synced, so I can say that today, right now, I am about to, to, to play the last battle of Cycle 1. Then it's probably onwards Odyssey because it's shipped. So it actually delivered because it's a file. So that's what I'm doing. I I also received the Marvel Champions Mutant Genesis to put my money where my mouth is, but I still didn't play because ATO is just that good. So that, that's basically what I'm doing. And in this, I have to, to, to give a proper shout out to ITU customer service because they did a very nice thing. So I received the game, uh, the game was uh, had the, the box a bit dented, but just a little bit, and actually it was a big box to ship, so there's basically nothing you can do about that minor damage, so it was perfect, and uh, I basically began playing. I kept the my home office set up, which is why I'm recording from a very, very cramped office today, because we are at, at the end of the cycle, and I, I have the suspicion that I have to keep the map for Onwards Odyssey, so I have the map laid out on the floor, it's like 63 tiles now, and I have the table set up for the last battle, and no spoilers, so... Uh, Basically, uh, I, I, I left the table uh, set up, but uh, I have two kids and two nephews, uh, which means I lost a column tile basically immediately. And uh, by counting, I noticed that, that uh, I'm missing a Kratos token. That's a very minor problem because they are in excess. So not, Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah, so. no, not a big deal. But the column was important, so I just mailed the, the ITU support to tell them, hey, I, I think I lost a column and it's my fault. So if you want to sell me the full four sheets of cardboard, I will just uh, buy them and buy shipping and everything. And they just told me, oh, don't worry, we'll send you one spare. Uh, okay, let me pay the shipping. It will be impractical. So... I basically got the token sent free of charge, which is pretty nice from a customer support. Nice, it is. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's also... I also got a direct response from Marcin, so hi Marcin. <laughs> but uh, I think that's just because we had a lot of interviews, but the customer support was very nice. And since I hear across the board, uh, everyone happy and satisfied with the support, I think uh, this deserves a, a shout out. But enough for me. What have you been up to, Audrey? Um, this time I have a bit more board game uh, news than the uh, last few times I was in a recording, so that's uh, a great thing, I would say. Um, we want news. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I've been playing Aeon Trespasser this as well, uh, a bit less value since we are outside turn uh, 15, 20, something like that. Um, so we are we are we are reaching soon our first um uh, uh, how is it called augmentation the time you swap a bit cards around in your exploration deck uh, it's uh, okay uh, we have three turns before that i think <laughs> um so yeah we are there escalation um, yeah escalation. Es escalation thank you very much um, we also went to a board game cafe uh, a week ago with uh, one colleague of mine, and uh, it was the first time we were going there. Um, a few years ago, it was a uh, PC bar, and it happened to, to change, I think, over the, the pandemic because, well, pandemic things. Um, and so it was the first time going there, and uh, we played a few games. We played uh, Draftosaurus, which I'm going to talk about today. We played uh, Oriflam, uh, which I don't know why, but I keep um, messing it up with Resarcana. Please don't be mad at me, Alessio. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we ended up with a game of uh, Small World. And I didn't win any single game, and I was very sad about that. Uh, but the onion rings were amazing, uh, <laughs> and we plan to go back there one day, probably, um, let's say, be a bit more warmed up, and uh, play June Imperium since they have it. But did you have fun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's what matters. Well, uh, I didn't have that much fun in Oriflam because I didn't really understand the game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, I had fun, and the, 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 I have to say that the cocktails were pretty good. <laughs> Oriflam was the one with a lot of complex resource management, right? Um, no, I wouldn't say complex resource management, uh, but I okay, use some I'm... cards, and they have an effect on neighboring cards or on other cards in the in the, in the line, and you. Uh, and you have okay, to remember card what to manipulation. Do. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, and uh, not 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 much of my thing, but um, I can understand some others would appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I remember that it had a lot of complex manipulation, but I didn't remember what did you manipulate. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's it for me. I think, and that's already quite good. Uh, what about you, Alexis? Um. Not too much. I, I went on two vacations with my uh, with my family and then uh, with my boyfriend. I had a pretty pretty fun time in the, uh, both case. I played a fair few games um, at at some point from the for the New Year party. I played uh, a game called uh, Racing Goats. That was a very quick uh, little game in a in a tiny box about uh, racing a mountain to get points. Uh, by combining dices, uh, that one was really fun, and I, I'm um, I've been thinking about getting it as a as a portable game uh, because it's very easy to to set up and to to play. Um, other than that, uh, a few games that I will be discussing uh, later. I've uh, I've tried and really enjoyed uh, a game called uh, Steampunk Racing Fusion. I think something like yeah. that. It is. It has a complicated name. Um, oops. Steampunk Rally Fusion. Right. Yeah, you got me order it. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is a uh, it is it is pretty good. I feel. Uh, I I've enjoyed it so far. 
Um, I hope so. And, yes, and we will talk about it in one of the or on it on next podcasts. Uh, other than that, not too much. Uh, one thing that I've been uh, I've been uh, devouring. Uh, extremely quickly recently is the TV show uh, The Show Goes Wrong, which is an adaptation of a play uh, called The Play Goes Wrong. And it's basically um, a sort of a filming of a theater play where everything is going wrong. So, for example, like they, <laughs> they pull up the wrong uh, background for the uh, for the scene that they're playing. And so the actors improvise, well, in, in, act like they're improvising. And uh, instead of pouring uh, himself a glass of wine, the character just grabs the a glass of uh, ether from the uh, from the doctor's office because he, <laughs> he, he needs to act quick uh, to fill the, the the scene. I would recommend watching it. It's extremely funny. Uh, it works really well, and I think that the next season is going to drop sometimes this year. So I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, other than that, not too much. Um, and this is and it. I, yeah, I think that uh, that finishes the the standy uh, catch up. And uh, today we are going to talk about uh, Draftosaurus, which is a uh, game about eating tourists, if I understand uh, properly. Um, we will also talk about Marvel Snaps with Audrey, and uh, I will later uh, betray everyone by talking about Betrayal at the House of Ill, uh, which is a very classical game that uh, most people know about but it's it's always nice to uh, revisit the classic i think um so uh without further ado uh alessio why do you why do you to told us about your island in the pacific where you've uh, recreated life okay i, I go you have mixed up alessio and myself <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh. But I probably yeah. ask Audrey because it's her game. Yeah. Yeah, Draftosaurus and myself, I... and I said it during the catch-up. I said Draftosaurus, and I'm going to talk about it. Uh, that is true. I just, I, I just, I had a, a table with Marvel Snap opened, and usually you're the one that talks about Marvel games. Yeah, that's fine. Well, anyway. Audrey, let's keep why, it. Why don't you tell us about your island in the Pacific then? Well, yeah. <laughs> Draftosaurus, oh. this is not a game about eating tourists, this is a, a, a zoo game. It is, it is a game about organizing a uh, dinosaurus zoo. Uh, it is also a game, uh, as its name said, with a draft, and it's a very good game to introduce draft to, I think, kids and or even adults that don't play much, uh, because uh, the game plays in two turns. In each turn you have um, six dinosaurs per player going around the table in a draft. The dinosaur people are so cute. They're amazing, they're all colored, uh, so you have both colors and shape to differentiate them. Um, and so you have yeah, six uh, dinosaurs per player going around the table, you select them, and you select one, then you have it turned, and you put the one you kept uh, in your zoo, and you put it somewhere. So you have different enclosures, you have an enclosure where you have, uh, you need to have all dinosaurs being different, and you get points depending on how many different dinosaurs you put in it. You have another enclosure where you have to put three dinosaurs, just any dinosaurs, but three of them. You have another enclosure where you have to put, uh, where if you put a dinosaur them, and you don't have another one of these dinosaurs in your zoo, you get points, uh, you have an enclosure where you have to put couples and each uh, couple uh, gets you points, 
the, the meeples are both count as male and female for that purpose. Um, and you have the T-Rexes being a kind of joker, so every enclosure where there is a T-Rex uh, can um, count one more point. There is a little twist in the game which uh, influences more the way you put your dinosaur in an enclosure, which is that every time there is a first player at each uh, drafting um, turn, and this player has a dice to roll. And so they roll the dice, and depending on the symbol that is on the, on the dice, the other players, not the one rolling the dice, have to follow... Um, 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 how is it in English? Uh, not a consigne... Um, a requirement for where to put the dinosaur that they selected during the draft. So for instance, it can be, or oh, you have to put this dinosaur in an enclosure that's empty for now, or, or you have to put this dinosaur in an enclosure where there is no T-Rex, or you have to put the enclosure on the um, toilet side of the zoo, because there is a toilet side and a uh, food side with you have the little signs saying oh toilet is here and so if you want to follow the dice you have to put your dinosaur on the side so you have six enclosures three enclosures for each side and it's quite balanced on how many dinosaurs you can uh, put on each side so you always end up having more than enough choice because in, in total you end up putting 12 dinosaurs in your zoo and you probably have 25 possibilities of putting dinosaurs, so you have quite a bit of choice. And I think that's where the game is interesting, it's because since the drafting mechanic isn't very complicated, the placement mechanic isn't very complicated, all you have to think is what choice do I make to maximize my points, and that's why I think it's great for beginners and for kids, because yeah, first the dinosaurs are cute, and which kid doesn't like dinosaurs? I mean, well, yeah, I... dinosaurs. The, uh, the meeples are very cute, I, yeah. I have to say. I, I have to admit, I didn't like dinosaurs as a kid, but um, not every kid can be the best kid, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, you have... Uh, I, I saw that there are a few expansions as well, which introduce the pterodactyls and other things, and you always have uh, an extra board, like four extra boards actually in an expansion box since every player needs to have their extra board on top of their normal zoo board and um, it's a cheap game as well the, the base game is around 20 euros which isn't very expensive for um, a family game, but uh, for a game that introduces quite a few concepts I think it's a very good price point yeah, a, a game with a board, uh, uh, with a bag and wooden tokens at that price is a steal. Yeah, you have a bag, you have the wooden tokens, you have four boards, um, one for each player and the dice. Um, yeah, nothing to complain about and expansions are probably like 10, 12 euros each and there are two or three, something like that. So even even if you are a completionist, it's not very, very expensive. And you probably have lots of fun time because as well, a, a game the first time you do it, you play, it's 30 minutes, something like that. And then every extra game will be 15 minutes and it's very, very, very good uh, start of an evening game. 
one thing I noted as well is that depending on how many players you are, the strategy can be a bit different. Because as I said, on each draft uh, session, you have six meeples per player going uh, around. So each player has six meeples in their hand, and then five, and then four, etc, etc. And we play the game at three players. So among my six meeples that I had at the start, I knew that there were three of them that would come back. And one of them that I would select. So I knew that there were only two that I would not get to see again. And even though I suck at this, I think that the most uh, strategic player could really enjoy that. And this, uh, how to say, strategic bit goes away with um, more players because at four players you know that it will go around a bit more and so there will be three meeples that you won't see again and two that you will see again so i think that there is definitely a very fun element there and that even though it's not something that i am um, good at um, the players that are interested in that kind of thinking and tracking can really find uh, something that will be fun for them and uh, while still maybe messing up at some point because anyway you can you can't always have things right and maybe you can end up with having a four T-Rexes in a hand going around <laughs> and so you know that you will have to get one of these T-Rexes extra and yes this happened <laughs> yeah uh, I, I actually have opinions about this <laughs> uh, yeah, opinions yeah, are good. Yeah, I, I I actually agree with most of what you said uh, because it's uh, because well, it's true. Be, yeah, <laughs> be, be, being a be, being a parent, I mean, uh, Draftosaurus, it's uh, a game that you get. Uh, it gets named a lot because it's actually pretty good for kids. And uh, since there are basically only symbols and meeples, you can have kids play by explaining them the rules. Uh, even small kids can play. I have a five-year-old which who plays and manages sometimes to win. Uh, to win honestly okay <laughs> uh, and you don't have to put an effort to let him win so it's uh, it's a cute game for kids it's on board game arena uh, so i prepared there for the game uh, and yeah but you uh, don't have a meeple yeah uh, sadly sadly there's no physical components and that uh, uh, that that is a shame because the dinosaurs are cool but uh, uh, I have to say that the, the, there is actually a pretty competitive uh, game, uh, a pretty competitive scene around Draftosaurus. I, I, I can say a lot about the small player counts, but I agree with your assessment because uh, uh, I always play the full table, so on board game arena. And uh, yeah, you have to plan for look mitigation and that's the thing i personally enjoy because uh, basically that's it i i know that i will place my two dinosaurs uh, correctly but uh, i don't know what will happen and in the other players round and that's uh, a, a fun element to plan around so yeah so... while i am at mm, i think i could do that yeah and, exactly. I, and i can't do that oh sad because i'm too not focused and <laughs> yeah yes exactly and that's why i think that i'm not entirely okay 
with uh, strategic assessment because yes, there's a, a lot of planning, there's a, a fair bit of tactics involved, uh, but I think that if you play with the expansions, especially the marine expansion, which adds uh, the plesiosaurus and the dam you have to set up to uh, play the plesiosaurus correctly, that's the the one place where the game shines. So uh, yeah, I haven't played with expansion, so I'm really trusting you on that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the beautiful thing about this game is that it's a perfect game to start with and to begin to teach drafting to kids and to begin with, and it's a complete game and feels like a complete game without any expansion. If you add expansion, the expansions are exactly what you would want in a game like this. They add one rule, one special thing and you play with it. Beautiful. And that's it. Basically, that's my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, I think I think that it would be a game I would buy uh, as well because the box has a small footprint, uh, <laughs> which which is always great. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, for, for, me, for me, it's a 9.5 out of 10, just because <laughs> I suck at planning. <laughs> Yeah, and, and anyway, it's it's a good drafting game. I I I, I would want to play it uh, as a filler at the start of a game night. Uh, probably uh, if I br uh, I bring up Draftosaurus, uh, it will be either let's play Draftosaurus or or let's play Mindbug, but something like this. Yeah, it seems like a very easy game to to just uh, unfold and start playing. Um, so yeah, that's that's actually the the kind of game that I like a lot. Mm. Yeah, very great. All right. Well, uh, if this is all for Draftosaurus, then we can move on to uh, not Audrey's game, uh, yeah. <laughs> Marvel Snap. Uh, which is uh, a card game in the Marvel Universe uh, that uh, Alicia is going to tell us about. Yeah, let's talk about Marvel Snap. Yeah! Okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Marvel Snap is a small, addictive, app-based game, which is actually not a real board game, but plays like a board game, so it's here. Like uh, Slay the Spire, for example, but we will talk about this. And... Uh, uh, it's a game which came out in October, November 2022, and since then I think it claimed the ranks of app-based game, of uh, card games, uh, quite fast actually. Uh, basically everyone I know, including Audrey... I have <laughs> plays... no idea what you're talking about! <laughs> yeah, I, I stop. I, I already, I'm already recovering. I quit. I quit Marvel Snap. No, uh, basically, uh, Marvel Snap is a very simple card game which can be played in three minutes. It's uh, it's called your bathroom break game because when you have time, you can just uh, start Marvel Snap, play a couple of games, and be done. Every time in a coffee break, you can play three games, and that's not advised because you need to socialize during your coffee break. But anyway, unless you work uh, from home, yeah, of course, you you need to to keep your uh, your eyes off the screen then. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Uh, how do you play Marvel Snap? You get uh, a deck consisting only of 12 cards. It's a collectible card game, so your card collection will differ from the card collection from of your opponent. And uh, you will basically play with 12 cards you select. 
each card is unique, meaning it represents uh, a Marvel hero or villain, and it has special powers. For example, you have a Spider-Man card, which when played, it uh, uh, forbids the player for, from playing uh, a card in that, uh, in that location uh, the next round, because Spider-Man puts webs all around. And uh, there are three locations, and these locations have a power value, which is the sum of the power of the cards you played there. Okay, so who has, normally, who has the highest power on a location wins that location. Uh, the game plays in six rounds when you get increasing energy. Energy is the currency you play to play the cards. There are cards which cost one energy. There are cards which cost uh, two energies, up to six, nine, and so on. Uh, Mostly six. Yeah, actually, death will cost nine. Yeah. So mostly <laughs> yeah. six. Yeah, exactly. It's mostly six. Uh, at the end of the game, you normally have six energy. Anyway, there are uh, a couple of things which vary. For example, uh, each location has a different power. You start with one location uncovered and two secret locations, which will get revealed on the... On, on the upcoming turns. So on turn two, you will know two locations. On turn three, you will know all three of the locations. You can play cards blindly in a location, but that is a move which could backfire because a location has usually negative effects or uh, game-altering effects. There are locations, for instance, which will destroy a card when you play a card there which is usually detrimental, except if your, uh, <laughs> if your deck is, uh, uh, is revolved around destroying your own cards. There are cards which, there are locations which gives you more energy and so on. So basically the game is uh, playing up to four cards on each location to get the most uh, uh, power on that location to win two locations out of three. In the end, whoever wins most location wins the game. When they win the game, they basically uh, win one Infinity Cube, I think they are called, from the opponent. The Infinity Cubes are uh, basically um, are basically your uh, level, your ranking in the game ladder. You start at Iron, uh, at level 10, which is basically the level you uh, have when you exit the tutorial, and you rank up to level 100. Uh, for reference, the, the highest level I could reach so far is level 68. Uh, almost nice. Yeah, almost nice. Uh, but there are two weeks in this season, so I hope to go past uh, level 70 this time. Anyway, each season lasts five weeks. At the end of uh, season, you get back three levels. Uh, so you get back, uh, basically each level is made out of 10 actual levels, so uh, you lose 30 levels in your ranking, basically, and uh, you start again. So that's basically it. Uh, the game is very smart. Uh, this is for the rules, but the mechanics are beautiful, because... Uh, uh, this is the game uh, you expect to have a lot of depth because you can play, you have a very small deck with 
uh, cards with uh, very specific powers and uh, they are made to synergize differently with other cards. Uh, so for instance, there's, uh, there's a card which uh, allows you to destroy cards of opponent's cards with power 9 or more, which is obviously, uh, that, that's, that's Shang-Chi, and that's obviously a bummer at the end of the game, but it doesn't work with the lower power cards, so you could be tempted to fill your, uh, your deck with lower power cards, but there is a card which destroys all cards which cost, for example, 1, which is uh, Warmonger, and uh, the game is all like this. Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I mixed two <laughs> cards, yeah. Uh, and uh, basically that's it. You can build your deck around the theme. For instance, I have a, a deck which brought me from 40 to 70 this season, which uh, was the a deck which basically revolves around death uh, which costs nine but costs one less for each uh, card you destroyed in the game so if you have kill go killmonger and a lot of one cost card you probably will pay zero for death uh, with moon girl which doubles your end so you can have two deaths which cost zero and taskmaster which is a card that when played copies the strength, the power of the last card you played. So you basically have uh, uh, an empty game with no cards played and in the, end, uh, in, in the end turn you play like 36 power, which is more than enough. <laughs> yeah, usually more than enough. Anyway, the meta is constantly shifting, the game is addictive. Uh, I, I talk for myself, but uh, I have to say it, it's, the game gives you missions, missions refresh every 8 hours. I basically, they, at my time zone, these missions are always available after every, basically every meal. So one after breakfast, one after lunch, one after, a couple after dinner. And I basically play occasionally the game just uh, in the breaks and I have a lot of fun. So that's a double thumb up for me. Uh, now, I know that Audrey plays the game a bit, so I wanted to know opinions. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, again, I have said that uh, more than once, but I will say it again. I'm not very good at strategy, at uh, imagining <laughs> what my uh, opponent will want to do. So every time I'm trying to bait something or to see a bait coming, I fail. Um, ex except a few one which I am good uh, at. Uh, one thing that I would say is that I just don't follow the meta. I grabbed the deck when I started uh, the game and I keep playing it because I like it and it's fun. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I am outdated but that's fine and so that's a deck which has, uh, which is around the revealed uh, property. So when you <laughs> reveal a card, uh, it does something. And um, every card has different effects. Uh, some have extra power, some have um, extra effects, some depend on what your opponent did, etc, etc. And the thing is, the only thing that I am good at countering is 
two cards with that deck uh, because uh, there are two cards which are called the Hobgoblin and the Green Goblin, <laughs> which when you play, they go onto the side of your opponent and they have minus and they have negative power. Um, the Hobgoblin costs much more than the Green Goblin and their powers are eight for the uh, minus eight for the Hobgoblin and minus three for the Green Goblin. And so here I do have a card which is Odin as the, let's say, leader of the reveal <laughs> cards. And so when my opponent says, ha ha ha, I'm going to give them the Hobgoblin so they have negative points, ha ha. And then I keep one um, one spot on this location since you can play only four cards per location. And at the end, I put Odin there. And Odin says, every card on this, um, ev all of your revealed effect cards on this uh, location do their effect again. And so I am like, yeah, I'm sending them, them back to you. You're, you're giving me negative points. No, no, you, you get them. You get them. And uh, I have, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always fun. And that's exactly what I was saying. Every card synergizes beautifully. And, and that's uh, where actually I would, I would, uh, I am most regret that it's online because I would love to see the face of my opponent when I'm like, no, I'm sending them back to you. You get them, you get them. But there are updates maybe once, once per week, once every two weeks, which sometimes introduce one or two more cards. And you can't follow you can't f follow that on a um, real components game, and you also have often new locations which you can't follow uh, easily as well. Or you will need or you would need both players to have uh, this, to agree on using the same locations and try drawing drawing them random. So even though it is not a card game, I'm not sure how well. It would fit as a real game due to the locations more than the cards. Yeah, yeah, th that's uh, that's actually a, a, an important thing uh, we should discuss. And how you <laughs> unlock locations. the cards? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, there are a couple things that I left out, uh, and are first that the game. Uh, looks like it's based on cards but it's really based on location usually there are uh, locations which make or break the game and uh, make a deck shine or completely uh, crumble uh, when you play there so uh, this game is actually best played as an app game for a couple of reasons one each is it's that uh, you can actually alter location probability and locations uh, and change locations, update locations uh, all constantly without having people to spend and uh, implement complex gimmicks. For instance, there's usually a location of the week which gets a 40% probability of uh, appearing on each game. That would be uh, a nightmare because it uh, to play to, to, to make in a board game because basically you you should uh, have uh, that location appear in like two draft stacks or something like that one with bigger probability one with lesser and then it will be messy to set up uh, the other thing is that uh, you can go crazy with cards if you uh, play with uh, uh, with an app which does the muscle work for you for instance, there's uh, a card, uh, a cost one card, which uh, lets you draw a random card from the pool of all existing cards when you play it. And that will be a mess because you should have a, 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 duplicate, a duplicated corset 
to have uh, everything uh, to draw from. Yeah. L likewise for the location which adds on each player side one random card. Yeah, exactly. You, you should have plenty of cards and their number would be varying, so it would be not so economic to represent that. For instance, uh, th there will be rock, rocks everywhere, there will be raptors, uh, which are cards which are added to ex exclusively one location. Well, this could be handled like in Magic with uh, generic token cards, uh, because I, I, I haven't seen anything say, oh, uh, interacts with rocks or interacts with raptors, so you could have uh, lots of tokens or just use the, um, ah, how are they called? Yeah. The yeah. glass beds marker. But you have to remember what it is. But yeah, it can be done. there are tokens. Yeah, tokens or counters. But uh, that is exactly the point. Uh, I uh, quoted Slade Aspire at the beginning of the intervention because uh, this looks like that. Uh, Slade Aspire is getting a board game adaptation and it has a lot of counters uh, and tokens and stuff because the. Uh, when you play the card game on the computer, the computer could uh, do the muscle work for you. Uh, otherwise, it's a perfectly legit card game. Uh, when you bring it to the board, you have to have a lot of counters. So it's still a very good, great game. I, I hope Slate Aspire is beautiful as a board game because I like a lot Slate Aspire, but I can't avoid thinking that it's way more fiddly. And as well, with the Marvel Snap Seasons, you can get card backs, which in reality would correspond yeah. to card sleeves decorations, uh, which again is something that you can't really do in a, let's say, a physical card game. You can't say, oh, you're go we are going to have a league and every player that gets this rank of the league will get the special sleeves of the season. Uh, that's very difficult to do. And uh, I would like to mention one thing. I don't know if you had plans to talk about that, but the economical model. Yeah, that's the second part. And the snapping. Also talk about the snapping because yeah. it's tied to that. <laughs> yeah, the economical model is that most of what you get is through your playing. You get your cards get improved with shinier bags, uh, shinier labels, or extra animation, blah blah blah. But this you get just this just by playing. And when you get some uh, thresholds of improvement, you just get extra points which make you climb another ladder. But this one is personal, and you just get more cards at some points in this other ladder. So that's how you get more cards. And most of the purchasable things are cosmetic. So I, I tried buying a season pass, to be honest, to see what I would get in the extra chest uh, after the 50 uh, normal season pass levels. And it was shit. Yeah, ten, ten dollars, I think. Yeah, but the, the extra chests I got uh, at the end because I paid the uh, higher tier just to get more levels and have a bit more statistic on what I would get in the extra chest at the end. And nothing that I couldn't get by playing. Yeah, uh, th this is actually a plus and a minus. Uh, but let me talk about snapping uh, for a second first, because that's the gambling element you have in each play. I told you that you basically bet one infinity cube when you play, because whenever you play, you are basically betting one infinity cube. Uh, ten infinity cubes are uh, a level, and... Uh, and so you need them to to uh, clean the ladder, basically. 
or you uh, you can also get down of course you can get uh, past level 10 below level 10 actually uh, so the, there's a bottom limit anyway uh, I'm play, always stuck somewhere uh, in the 30 40 but as yeah, I'm not following the meta that's yeah yeah uh, this is uh, <laughs> we will talk about this or, or not we will say we will see uh, but the important thing is that uh, in a game you bet one cube and when you lose if you you can uh, get back from fight at any time if you decide to uh, run away uh, if you do that you lose one cube if you go if you get to the end of the game the cabo the, the cubes double so uh, you you win or lose two cubes now during the game at any point uh, each player can snap if they snap they eat their cube and when they do the next turn the uh, the bet the anti doubles so uh, if you were playing for one doubling in two you are now playing for two doubling in four if both players snap you are playing for four doubling in eight which means since winning or losing eight cubes is basically winning or losing a level which at higher tiers it becomes uh, like uh, uh, i don't know if you played or know people who played the texas olden poker uh, online but it's like that you are passing a lot of hands until you get the one you possibly will win and then you double snap everywhere that's a bit of leveraging gambling habit but but i have to say the game comes very clean because the economic model already referenced is actually pretty good you don't have to pay for anything in this game if you are skilled enough and you play long enough you can get everything uh, a paying player can get eventually which means the, the, the game collection is sorted in pools, meaning that uh, at the beginning you have only pool 1 unlocked, which is a, f a, a, a set number of cards. Then you'll get pool 2, which is another small pool of cards. Then you will get to pool 3 when you complete pool 2. Uh, in pool 3, you have a chance of getting all the cards. There are also pool 4 and pool 5, which are the newest cards. You usually don't have access immediately to the newest cards but only after a while or only special events but cards get demoted from pool 5 to pool 4 and from pool 4 to pool 3 at, at set amounts for for instance uh, there will be a demotion of cards in uh, at the end of january so everyone in in a two months time can get possibly every card if you are paying to unlock cards earlier you just get cards earlier uh, you can get uh, cards and power-ups uh, uh, which allow you to get more cards more easily uh, and this is nice this is a sustainable model this is a beautiful model yeah m most now, of the other things that you can pay are variants which is the same card with the same ability but a different logo and i really like this well there are some let's say ranges of logo which are like the pixel the baby uh etc or just normal variants but there are also quite a few variants which are variants from these designer and i have to say that i really like them because it does give a bit of a 
focus on the art people. Um, you get the name of the art um, of the graphic designer, that um, of the of the or the, of the painter or whichever it was, depending on which card it is, uh, that created this design. And yeah, I really enjoy that because it's really the way that a way that you have from for the game to give back to the people that did all these amazing designs during the years and I, I, I really think that this is a smart move because you don't need to have them and every day you have six of these variants uh, up for grabs and you can pay them with the uh, tokens money that you have stacked over time and then it's just a matter of choosing your priority and yes i am collecting all the angela versions because angela is the best <laughs> um and i didn't get the payable one because it was 55 euros for a variant of angela and of sarah and two avatars which nah yeah <laughs> S some of the prices are crazy but you can get stuff with gold too and that's okay because gold you get for free in the game so it's choose your own pace of collecting and that's beautiful now uh, there's one last thing to say which is uh, thankfully very quick which is a lot of people is complaining because of this uh, all this cosmetic stuff you can acquire because you get it in your progression so basically if you get one var variant more from a random chest in the game you are basically not getting one card the a new card which will unlock new strategies for you uh, they called it throttled progression now i have uh, not since... yet had a variant in one of my progression chests maybe because i'm still i have no idea what the maximum level for this time or maximum level ish the, there is there is no collection level ah, the maximum level of a card is infinity no uh, is... i mean of, co of oh, okay. collection because i am uh, over 1000 uh, probably 1200 and i have not seen a variant in the collection reward chest yeah i i'm 2100 something and i just got like three variants or something okay it's but quite it's... rare yeah, uh, the thing is that you begin getting a collector chest, which is the way you drop cards at higher levels, every 12 upgrades. So uh, that's basically, it means you, you it takes one week basically to get a new card. And I am pretty okay with this because I am a casual player which who also plays in a ladder. But of course, for the competitive scene, it means that you have to pay a bit to get the new cards to compete now uh, since the levels are currently capped at 100 i don't see the point because you will get there eventually you just uh, need to rank up four ladders every month you lose three but you have a net gain of one you will eventually get to top level anyway so uh, i understand that people get more skilled when you play but since the cards are all there and basically you can play with the smarts i usually i lose a lot at this game but when i lose i can point exactly what i did wrong and i like that so <laughs> that's it and uh, because of this if you are prone to gambling addiction probably you should steer away from this game but if you like a lot 
small games which can be played in a bathroom break in a cigarette break don't smoke in a lunch break or something like that uh, this is the perfect game because it won't alienate you from anything else for a long time at least. Uh, you can play it casually, have fun and enjoy your games. Yeah. There's a lot of deck that also. That's it. Marvel Snap, a recommendation from me. And from me. <laughs> yeah. So, we were promised right. a game from Alexis. <laughs> <gasps> what are you going to talk about? I don't remember. Ah. Uh, I am going to talk about the, the trail at the house. Yeah. Oh, Blue. yes. Uh, which is a game that most people know about. I don't. Uh, it's been a, <laughs> it's been a staple for. Yeah. Uh, I, have you played it, Alessio? Uh, I never played the base game. I think I know the mechanics, but I will just talk once you played because uh, once you explained it because I actually don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, it's been a staple for uh, 20 years. I think that it came out in 2004. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and it's on its fourth edition now with some ma minor role change in between every edition. Uh, it's a game that works best if player giving to the team and setting a bit, as the mechanical side of it can be a bit lacking and requires some light role play at the table to really shine. Uh, the game puts the player in the role of a team of investigator or urban explorer, exploring an old manor, uh, discovering clues, at, and at some point the horror starts and one of the uh, 50 different horror movie plots unfold, one of the players betrays the rest of the group and play as the antagonist. So basically it's an horror exploration game split into two different parts. In the first one it's very focused on the exploration, it's a cooperative, um, it's cooperative, every player plays on the same team and nobody uh, knows who is going to join the other. The players explore the role, uh, the house gather item for the second phase and uh, one of their most important tasks is to make a, a good uh, house layout that will be easily navigable uh, later because whenever you discover a new room you need to put down a tile and orient the tile to make sure that you can uh, link up with other tile later uh, because uh, if you if you have like extremely long corridor that requires multiple turns to go from one room to the other uh, that's going to be very annoying once you need to run around. Um, discovering a room can lead to an event that can lower or give more stats to the player. Uh, it's a very simple system that allow them to task for strength, uh, wits, abilities or speed, uh, agility or speed. Uh, and it can also lead to finding an item or worse, an omen. Uh, so omen are powerful items that unlock some useful abilities like being able to use a different skill for a test for example but each time that they unlock uh, an omen uh, they need to make a roll if the roll is too high the haunting starts so you hopefully you don't want to find omens too quickly you want to find mostly items to explore the house a bit to get everything ready and then uh, get omens and after the hunting starts. So when the hunting starts, the player check which hunting they are getting, uh, depending on the last omen unlocked and the base scenario that they chose. So uh, at the start of the game, you choose if you are uh, a team of investigators or maybe uh, some sort of like a true ghost type uh, TV crew uh, that is exploring the house. You have like a different starting scenario that leads to different uh, hunting later. Um, 
this one tells them uh, the the book also tells them which player is going to betray the other. So it could be the player that found the um, uh, the item, or it can be uh, every player is going to to play for each other. Uh, there's like a, quite a few different scenarios. Uh, maybe uh, often it's going to be justified in some ways. So maybe one of the player has been possessed by the house's ghost and seeks to bury the other player in the cemetery. Maybe they've been the minion of the local witch all along and brought the player a sacrifice. Uh, but it's going to tell, well, now player A is uh, the villain of the story and give the player that betrays the other a game book uh, with some information on their new abilities as well as their win condition. So, for example, if the player has joined the... Uh, has been, like, possessed by a ghost, uh, that player will have the abilities to summon a small ghost to fight the players and maybe will be given some, like, different stats uh, or like a, a magical axe that uh, does more damage or something like that. And uh, the task to either kill the player or, or find some rooms and do some rituals or something. Um, and the uh, other players will receive a similar game book with their own quest. Um, it could be about beating a certain numbers of minions or gathering items and bringing them into a specific room or fulfilling some other task. Uh, the game is pretty fun, but it is a bit outdated uh, and a bit simple. And what will really make it or break it is uh, playing it with friends that can get into the Serie B or plot and joke around it or, or be uh, just a little bit more involved is necessary for the game to really be fun. Because if you just play the mechanical aspect of it, uh, I would say that Betrayal of the House of Hill can be quite boring. Uh, it is not the most interesting game mechanically, but because it sits as an hybrid between RPG and board game, uh, it really earns reputation on being a really good facilitator on for a good evening uh, between friends. So I think that uh, Betrayal of the House of Hill is a... It, it's a staple for a reason. Uh, it's probably not the best game out there, but it is it is it is quite good, I would say. Uh, so yeah, that's the betrayal, the House of Hill. So uh, Audrey, you've never played it, and Alessio, you've known about it, right? Uh, yeah. Yes, I haven't played it, and uh, as I'm not too much person for hidden rule games uh, and or horror things, I probably never will. Well, it's not uh, hidden rule because. They, they say that there's a betrayal, but like for most of the game, for, for half of the game, it's cooperative, and then on the second, there's just a player playing the antagonist. But, it, but it's a bit neighboring. Like a... It feels slightly neighboring in the fact that your end roll is hidden from you, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your end roll is really hidden for you, but like on the second part, everybody knows who the antagonist is, and there's, there's never like hidden information. But there's a little bit of that, and I think that there's like a couple of haunting scenarios where they do actually try to get some hidden role mechanics where you don't know who the uh, betrayer is. But uh, yeah, but but other than that, the the game is usually uh, pretty straightforward. But I, I can I can definitely picture that if the horror aspect is not for you, then the game would be not super. It never is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about you, Alessio? Oh, well, I, like I mentioned, I never played Betrayal of the, 
the house of the hill basically uh, i i started modern ball gaming like in 2000s uh, with settlers of Catan, like people did and uh, seven wonders uh, it was another game uh, which got named a lot and then i got to board game geek <coughs> a bit later uh, to get uh, uh, suggestions about games and uh, Betrayal at the House of the Hill uh, was a game which popped up a lot. I didn't buy it uh, back then uh, because basically it was recommended for a party game and I didn't have the chance to play six players uh, on a game at that time. Uh, it's actually less now. <laughs> the chance, yeah, yeah <laughs> the, the newest edition uh, can be played from uh, between three to six players, but I would say that it still requires yeah, uh, at least at least four or five to be to be really fun. Yeah, um, exactly. What what I'm I, I keep getting told is that the game is fun if a lot of people is invested with narrative, as you said, and at higher player counts because. Uh, the narrative gets uh, interesting and messy. I, I, I think this game revels in mess, and that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. I checked, but I can't say I'm an expert, so I hope I, I'm not saying heresies here, that the, uh, the face where you build a mansion is actually entertaining and fun because everyone cooperates to get the life easier at some point, but what if I turn up to be the traitor? Let's uh, let's have this escape in this case or in another. So uh, basically everything is legit. And this is the thing I appreciate. I love uh, building crazy stuff in castles of Mad King, Lu Mad King Ludwig. So I, I know yeah. what but, it feels like. Yeah. But you, pr you probably would, uh, would have more fun playing uh, the castle of... Uh... Yeah, if it's just the building, yes. Uh, yeah. There's the part with the powers, which, uh, you know, this game stemmed a lot of uh, various uh, uh, spin-offs, like there's uh, Betrayal Baldur's Gate, which gets named a lot now. <laughs> there's a third edition of the game now, and there's a lot of improved, and there's Betrayal Legacy. Uh and all of these games focus on some aspects of the game. Uh, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate makes it uh, more thematic and more D&D, Forgotten Realms oriented. Uh, Betrayal Legacy focuses on the history of families because you play multiple games and you uh, carry around powers. There's a lot of flavor to this game. So yes, it's probably uh, recommended for a big party of people. Uh, who knows how to possibly enjoy uh, a narrative session. If everyone wants to just have fun and uh, play narrative and see what happens, this game has the chance of, become, of becoming a beautiful, messy game where uh, you don't really know what to expect and there are fun turns and twists. And I actually appreciate this a lot in games. I would probably get the newer versions. Uh, I know that uh, Fen uh, uh, likes a lot the yeah they do the legacy version of the game, uh, exclusively from uh, from checking 
over the years what happened with these games okay the legacy version was made by rob deview i saw on board game geek that rob deview has actually a lot of the same credits uh, for the original betrayal 2 so i don't know how much he's involved but is uh, basically a staple in our, in legacy games so it should be good of course uh, I don't know if uh, you can get six people constantly to the table every time to uh, if the, the games keeps you entangled enough to want to play the generations of these families who get uh, increasing powers and stuff and things on their mansion which gets uh, expanded changed evolved over the years so uh, it's, it's fun and interesting uh, I don't know how much I would replay it, but I don't know because I didn't play it. So <laughs> are, these are just opinions, hopefully not that wrong, just what I can see. Well, yeah, it's it, it has a lot of replay value, which is which is always fun. There's like 50 different scenarios uh, depending Great. on... 50? Yeah, yeah 50. Uh, it, it is quite a lot. Uh, there, some of them are more serious than others. I think there's one where you are haunted by the ghost of a giant shark. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the game is, has, is like horror movies, but uh, it's mostly like, it's a little bit of um, like B-movies, horror types. And that's beautiful. Uh, it, it often makes a little bit of jokes about that, which is, uh, which helps... Uh, you know, drawing that that party atmosphere. Uh, there's often like a few <laughs> reference to actual uh, horror movies. So if you if you play that with uh, with friends that know them, uh, it can be uh, it can be a little bit funny. Like the some of the hauntings are a bit uh, inspired by uh, The Shining or stuff like that. So uh, that that works quite well. But yeah, I I would say that on on replay value, uh, usually the the game takes around an hour to play. I would say. Um, and th there's 50 different scenarios and replaying a scenario is like not a big problem because it's it's always just like a different uh, it's mostly about being around the table for this game yeah uh, all I can say is I can I can see the fun in playing something like Betrayal at the Ghost Sharknado House yeah. <laughs> nice name yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's uh, that's betrayal of the House of Fields. Uh, Adeus on the Hill. Uh, I I would recommend it. Um, I would just maybe uh, you know uh, I would just maybe let people know that it's a game that needs like a a party group of friends to enjoy. Yeah, this um, is a fun party game and it has a yeah. lot of variants. Check your flavor and get it. Uh, speaking yeah, of, yeah. speaking of it being a party game, uh, is there an optimum number of players that you think would be, or is just I, like between this and this is good? I I would say like any anything between like five and six is is uh, the best. Okay. Uh, but it can be played with with three players and it's still fun. Yeah. Now uh, a lot of people say that it's not a party game if you can't play in eight or ten. So this is not a party game by that uh, definition. But it's yes. a game <laughs> which want which wants a full board like five or six people. I think it's really interesting. Okay. Because yeah. the, the the narrative is the fun part. So the yeah fun, exactly. The, yeah. the narrative in the team uh, is the, the fun part. Uh, the the 
explore the exploration aspect is is pretty good um i quite like it um so check your flavor if you, yeah. if you like it you get it yeah, you can have a look try. have a look fun. at it uh, yeah. I, and it's been it's been um like uh it's been a staple for 20 years like people uh, must have heard of it if if you enjoy this kind of game maybe give it a look uh and that's all we have time for this uh episode so you can catch us at patreon.com slash the last or at the last on twitter uh until next time we have been the last and it's a goodbye from alessio bye audrey bye bye myself and remember i i was waiting for myself to say goodbye <laughs> and, and i uh, my my brain noob <laughs> <laughs> but remember that the second E in Standies for, uh, stands from uh, Edmontosaurus, which is a dinosaur. <gasps> wow. wow. It's the yeah. Menosuchus.